Today is Tuesday, April 11th. The title for our devotional is Death to Self. Remember, yesterday and today are focused on our theme from Good Friday. Wednesday through Friday, we'll be focused on our Easter theme. Yesterday, we read the account of the crucifixion from Mark's gospel. Today, we're going to look at some of the characters Mark depicts in his story. So if you didn't read yesterday's devotional or listen to yesterday's devotional, be sure to do so to be sure that you have this scene in your mind. But first, our text from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Today we're going to focus on the first portion of that verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. It's a vivid depiction when we have that image and the scene of the crucifixion of Christ in our mind to think of ourselves as being crucified with Christ. Disciples of Christ are to view themselves as being crucified with Christ, just as Paul says here. Jesus, remember, told us as much in Luke 9, 21-27, which we covered in the first week of this campaign. But what does this death to self look like? How are we to be crucified with Christ? In the narrative of Mark's gospel, we see a number of examples, even in the crucifixion accounts. We're going to go through those today. The first is Simon of Cyrene. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Here he's speaking metaphorically. Simon does this literally. This instrument of punishment, implying the guilt of the accused, was to be carried outside of the city to the place of execution. Jesus was unable to carry it after he was beaten so badly by the Roman soldiers. So Simon is picked from the crowd and enlisted to carry the cross for Christ. As the Passion of the Christ notes, he he would have been sure that nobody would confuse him for the one being accused. But as the Passion of the Christ doesn't depict, Simon was quite possibly a black man, as Cyrene was a city in northern Africa. It's likely that this encounter with Jesus, literally picking up his cross and carrying it, led him to spiritually carry his cross, die to himself, and surrender his life to Jesus. The evidence of this is seen in Mark's simple comment that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus in verse 21. He writes as if his readers, likely the church in Rome, are familiar with Alexander and Rufus, but not with Simon. Acts 2.10 also notes that Cyrene was a city from which many people believed on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, it seems entirely plausible that Simon became a Christian and shared the faith with his family and began sharing the faith with others in Cyrene when he went back home. In Romans 16, Paul addresses his letter to Rufus and his mom. If this is the same Rufus, it ties in nicely that Mark's gospel is addressed to the church in Rome as well. In any case, this moment was likely the beginning of the death of the former Simon, who was likely a devout Jew worshiping in Jerusalem at Passover and Pentecost. This led to the conversion of him and his family, and likely their commitment to the mission of the church in carrying the gospel not only home to Cyrene, but and his children carrying the gospel to Rome. The second character we're looking at today is the Roman centurion. In Mark 15, 39, he becomes the first person to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is astounding in itself that Mark would have a Roman centurion say this, not his disciples. Peter had earlier confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, but not the Son of God. Mark had noted this as God saying it to Jesus. Mark had noted it in the narrative, and demons had said this about Jesus. But until this point, 
at the crucifixion of Jesus, no human had made this declaration. And Mark first makes the declaration through a Roman centurion. This Roman centurion represented the Roman occupation, which the Jews despised, and assumed that the Messiah would come to overthrow in military might. Mark depicts the crucifixion of Jesus enthronement, and here as his overthrow of the power structures oppressing the people of Israel, but not as one would assume. He does so, not again by military might, but by the greatest act of self-sacrificial love. He gives his life instead of taking life. Mark notes that he, quote, stood in front of Jesus and saw how he died. Others stood near, quote. He stood right in front of Jesus, looking him in the face. He didn't shy away from the horror of the moment. This centurion had likely watched tons of people die, many at his own hand. Yet something about this death revealed Jesus to be the Son of God. This title of the Son of God is loaded for Mark as well. Mark was likely writing to the Romans, the church in Rome, that is. And they certainly would have recognized this as being culturally applied to Caesar. With the charge above Jesus reading King of the Jews, this connection for him would have been hard to miss. His declaration of Jesus' divine sonship then likely marks a death to self for himself. He is confronted with the revelation of the true Son of God, not Caesar. As a centurion, his career was ultimately under the authority of Caesar. His national loyalty was to Rome and Caesar. Most of his life was centered on Caesar. Now, at the least, we can say he is confronted with the reality that if Jesus is the Son of God, that he is beholden then to a greater king than Caesar, a greater kingdom than Rome. This was a death-to-self moment for this centurion. Next, the women. Mark also makes mention of a group of women who followed Jesus to Jerusalem and the crucifixion as well. Mary Magdalene is the first mentioned in all of the Gospels as she was likely the most recognizable or prominent member of the community. As there are a number of women active in the ministry of the church in Rome, Paul mentions many of them in Romans 16. Mark's Gospel also notes the active role that many women played in Jesus' ministry. Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. She had been linked to the woman who anoints Jesus at Bethany, but this is not certain to be her. Pope Gregory in AD 591 said that these two Marys were one and the same, Mary Magdalene. This is, however, far from certain. Luke's Gospel mentions that the woman who anointed Jesus had lived a sinful lifestyle. So this has led many who accept this to be Mary Magdalene to believe that she had formerly been a prostitute. Again, all of this is far from certain and speculation. What we know is that she had seven demons cast out of her, and she followed Jesus for the rest of his ministry and helped him in his ministry. We'll take uh, a broader look at Mary Magdalene and the resurrection story for the rest of the week, but for now, it's clear that she had died to her former self, whatever that self looked like. She had taken up her cross and followed Jesus everywhere he went, along with these other women mentioned in Mark 15, 40-41. These women would have left their families behind in Galilee along with all the responsibilities of running a home in the first century, which these responsibilities were numerous and quite difficult. Yet again, Mark gives us an example of dying to self, picking up our cross daily, and following Jesus. Reflection time, this death to self, picking up your cross daily and following Jesus, can look quite different person to person. How has it looked for you? Consider the spheres of which are represented even in these few examples. Home life. From the... Mary Magdalene and the women who followed Jesus. Career. 
from the Roman centurion. Location. Religion. From Simon. National loyalty. Etc. Think of all those spheres of life that are represented here as under the lordship of Jesus by these characters and reflect on how in your life these spheres have come under the lordship of Christ.